So as we have gotten closer to today, I've had several different people ask me, what, what is Faith Promise even about? What, what is this all about? And I know that there are some of you that are here today, you know exactly what Faith Promise is about. You've been doing it for years. So for some of you, what I want to talk about for a part of our time together today is going to be more of a refresher. But the fact that many of you <clears throat> do not have any idea what Faith Promise is, is awesome. That just makes me so happy. You know why? That means you have not been coming here that long. That means God has brought you through our doors, and I couldn't be happier to have you here. I'm thrilled. So let me tell you a little bit about me. I grew up in the home of a pastor, pastor and a missionary. When I was born, my parents were just coming off of the mission field in Brazil, and my father began pastoring a church in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, fast forward to the very early 90s, and my father moved our family to another town in Kansas where we began a new type of missionary work on the University of Kansas. Go Jayhawks! Rock Chalk! <laughs> and up until just a few years ago, my father was a minister to international students at the University of Kansas. <clears throat> they would come there to complete their higher education and all of those years, from the early 90s until his retirement, just a few years ago, my father was classified as a missionary, and a significant part of what he had to do year in and year out was go out and work to raise his financial support. And let me tell you something, when you are in that seat, you are completely reliant upon the commitment that people have made to personally support you, your work, and your family. So I can tell you, because I lived it, that some months were good, and some months were not as good. Now, when I, my wife and I first discovered the Church of the Nazarene, one of the first things that I began to learn about was how we as a church are, what I would say, we are just all in when it comes to global missionary work and support. And much of that is realized through what we are going to talk about together today. Faith Promise is an annual commitment that we make as individuals and as family units to financially support the global work of the Church of the Nazarene. Today, the Church of the Nazarene is at work in 164 different world areas. There are 30,000 plus different local churches scattered across the globe for the Church of the Nazarene. And today there are in excess of two and a half million Nazarene church members across the globe. And at the heart of this is something that we call faith promise. I'm sorry, at the heart of this is something we call the World Evangelism Fund. It's the cornerstone of our global Nazarene missions. And this fund provides the necessary support so that the work of discovery and delivering and, and the resourcing of our mission organization can continue to reach every part of the world. And in that effort, every Nazarene church participates through their contributions to the World Evangelism Fund. Our giving is essential for Nazareth. 
<clears throat> Pardon me. I, I'm honored. <clears throat> I'm honored. I have been honored for almost six years to pastor a church that has a long record of faithful and generous giving toward mission efforts, both inside the Church of the Nazarene and outside of the Church of the Nazarene. A moment ago, when I mentioned my father and his work as a missionary, it's important to note that he was not a Nazarene missionary. He was not a Nazarene missionary. That means he did not have the backing that many of our missionaries have. Why? Because of our faith promise. And that is why we do what we do here in this place today. It's very important. I, I wish that I could thousands of local Papua New Guineans have come through that hospital first for a very practical and tangible medical need, but they also are receiving spiritual care and great amounts of compassion. And I should also note, some of you know this and some of you will not, that this will be Jeff and Susan's last year on the mission field, and they will be returning to the States at the end of 2022. I could also tell you stories about Kevin and Jenny White, who've been serving in Thailand since 2017, and that was after serving 23 years in full-time ministry right here in the States. They answered the call to take their family, individuals and couples and families that have answered the call that Jesus first gave his disciples in John 20, 21, and said this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I want to talk about this for a moment with you this morning. These words from Jesus, this instruction that we read here in John chapter 20, verse 21, came right after Jesus' death and his resurrection, and it was given directly to his disciples. But if we look at the other things that were happening around this instruction from Jesus, we see some interesting things. You see, if we just go one more chapter ahead into chapter 22 uh, uh, of John, <clears throat> pardon me one more chapter 21, then we see that within just a very short period of time, after having heard directly from Jesus, as the Father is sending me, I am sending you, Peter and his buddies did what any good, normal guy would do. They went fishing. <laughs> Go to chapter 21, you'll see what I'm talking about. They went right back to fishing right after Jesus has said to them, hey, I'm sending you. Hey, go. They went fishing. I mean, we could, we could ask ourselves why exactly did they go fishing? Were Jesus' instructions not clear enough? I am sending you. Were they distracted by something? Did they just need a little vacation? I mean, they'd been with Jesus for three full years. Maybe it was time for a little downtime. What was actually happening in that moment is that Peter and the disciples were going back to what they knew and going back to what was comfortable for them in that moment. In that one sentence, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, Jesus is calling his disciples and he is calling us, guys, into radical kingdom living. But I wonder sometimes, if we've lost track of those words, much like Peter and his buddies, have we lost track of what Jesus has very clearly instructed us to do? It's a simple sentence, but there's a lot of stuff packed in there. 
Jesus says, listen, we are sent. This is very clear in John 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. He calms their fears. He looks them dead in the eyes and he points them outward. In the midst of all of their, their fear and their uncertainty that they had in that space, which was understandable, some crazy things had just happened. But in the midst of all that, Jesus comes to them and he makes his plans for them. He makes his intentions for them really clear. He says they're to carry on the work that he's doing. And Jesus, he lived for everybody else. And he calls his followers to do the same. Here's a very important reality of the gospel for us. The gospel can be defined as good news. And yes, it is good news. Yes, it is good news that your sins can be forgiven. Yes, that's great news. But here's the thing, guys. It often stops right there for us. It often stops with our own salvation. But if the gospel means good news, then that means it's not just good news for me. It's not just good news for you. It is good news for everyone. It is good news for the entire world. Hear me this morning. There is a purpose for your salvation. And it's not to go hide like Jesus' disciples were doing. It's not to go grab your pole and kick back on the bank like Jesus' disciples were doing. The purpose in our salvation is that we are to take on the character of Christ, to be filled with his Holy Spirit and to join in the work that he has initiated. So I send you. We are sent into our homes and we are sent into our workplaces and we are sent into our neighborhoods and our schools as bearers of good news. And our task is always simple. Reach one more. Reach one more with the good news that you yourself have experienced. There's also another very small word in verse 21 that we have to be really careful not to overlook, and that word is the word as. A-S. Jesus says that as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This means that we have to consider then, how was Jesus sent by the Father? Because Jesus says we are sent as he was sent. So let's look at how Jesus lived his life. Well, one thing we know is that Jesus lived a perfect life, yes? He lived a perfect life in obedience to the Father. So look what we read in, in John's Gospel in chapter 8. It says this, the one who sent me is with me. This is Jesus speaking. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus lived an obedient and surrendered life. And Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Look what else it says in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. What? Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So when we hear Jesus say, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, we have to receive that commission with a very similar spirit. There, there's a directive here in Jesus' words, guys. He's saying that, that I can't be a follower of Jesus and disobey his directive. 
Just like Jesus could not have lived on mission and been disobedient to his Father. Jesus was obedient to the Father's will as I must be obedient to the Father's will. John is also the one who reminds us in the first chapter of his gospel that Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus was sent in the flesh to this earth. And there's something very important for us there as well. Jesus is directing his disciples to leave their safe space, to leave where they are comfortable, and to go out into the world around them. And they're to share this news from person to person, from heart to heart, so that by their work, one at a time, people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ in the flesh from you. I like the way that Paul says this in Romans chapter 12 in the message paraphrase. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life, and I want you to place it before God. Incredible things about the Church of the Nazarene. For those of you who are new to our tribe, let me tell you something. If you get on a plane today, and you fly anywhere across the globe, there are 250 babies born every minute of the day. 250 babies muster put their effort into just one more person so that they can hear about what God has done for them. So I send you. You are the delivery system. You are the instrument in God's hands that's going to communicate this good news of the gospel. It's not, it's not just me, guys. I got bad news. I got bad news. It is not just me. It's actually not my job at all. My job is to get you ready to go do that. Did you know that? I know. That's a bummer. It, it, my job is not to be the declarer. My job is to be the preparer to prepare you to go out and declare the good news of the gospel. Now, I also have a responsibility to do the same. So I send you. In Matthew's gospel, it's a really cool picture, and we won't, we won't read all the scriptures this morning. There's a really cool picture that we see in Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, I think you'll have it on the screen, says this, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming, that's preaching, by the way, the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew chapter 4. You want to go look, look at it again, write it down. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went through Galilee teaching, proclaiming, and healing. And then we go about five chapters down the road, and it says this in Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching the synagogues, Proclaiming the good news, preaching of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Does this sound familiar? It should, because it's also here in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, teaching, proclaiming, healing. Matthew chapter 9, teaching, proclaiming, healing. You want to know what's happening between Matthew chapter 4 and chapter 9? Does anybody, to just take a guess, what's happening between Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 9? 
Oh, come on. Yeah. Jesus is teaching. He is proclaiming and he is healing. This was Jesus' delivery system. This is the delivery system for the good news that is still here today. And it's so important for us to see. So what do we see? Well, we see that Jesus taught. And this was not teaching like you and I think about in the classroom. This was, this was day-to-day just doing life with people. That's what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus taught. This was going to the store. This was hanging out on the back porch. This was shooting hoops in the driveway and working on the car and having a glass of iced tea on the porch. Jesus was showing those who were around him every single day what it looked like to be obedient to his father, but also what it looked like to be in fellowship with his father. That's what Jesus was teaching them. Now, Jesus also preached, and this is something that's a little more familiar to us because it's what's happening right now. We're, I'm preaching, sort of. And Jesus healed. And this was an, an, an essential part of Jesus' ministry, and we should be careful not to miss it. In, in Matthew uh, chapter 9, Jesus begins by healing a paralyzed man. Then he raises a dead girl. Then he heals a woman's bleeding. Then he heals two blind men. Then he casts out a demon. And all this happens within 34 verses of Matthew's gospel. <laughs> he healed. I believe there's something in all of us that we really cannot miss. We must be careful not to miss. Jesus says this in John chapter 14. He says, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Let me read that again. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I'll be honest with you. That is a tough verse to digest. That's that's heavy stuff right there. Because I think that sometimes we look at that fourth line, that third and fourth line that says they will do even greater, and we get caught up right there. Greater things? Wow, did you see what Jesus did? Greater things? Holy! We get so sucked into the idea that Jesus says you're going to do greater things that we miss when he says, whoever believes in me. And that immediately poses the question for me, well, who's that? Who is the whoever believes in me? Is that me? Is that me you're talking about, Jesus? You said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they'll do even greater. Is that me, Jesus? Is that you? Are you the whoever who believes in me that will do greater works? Is that you? Who who is that? Is that the church? I mean, aren't we the believers? Aren't we the ones who believe? And if that is the case, I think it is. Then what was Jesus doing? Well, just so we're clear, Matthew says that he was teaching, preaching, and 
healing. Don't miss this this morning. What was true of Jesus' delivery system remains true for our delivery system today. We are sent to preach and to teach and to heal. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, slow down. Look at what Jesus did. He was our model, right? Teaching, guys, is less about lessons and more about living. That's what teaching's about. How are you living your life? What are you teaching around those who simply, what are you teaching those around you who simply are just watching what you do in your life? What are you teaching them? I think that we, we sometimes become overwhelmed by the idea that there are all of these people around me and they've all got to hear the good news and I've got, oh my goodness, there's so many, 250 babies a minute. Pastor, I can't keep up. And we got to have an awareness of that. We do, truly. But don't become so overwhelmed by the many that you forget the one who's right in front of you. If you've ever built anything, um, I'm not a good builder because the premise that I'm about to share with you I don't like because I'm like, I'm like speed. Speed over efficiency is important to me. Um, I try to do things way too fast. So consequently, I don't do woodworking, Dennis. I, I watch what you do and I'm like, I know, I'd come there and you would kick me out. But if you build something, you know that you can't get too far ahead of yourself. So there's a, there's a general principle of putting one piece together at a time. You know, putting one more brick on. You don't just throw a pile of bricks on the wall. <laughs> you, one more brick, fix it. One more brick, fix it. One more brick. It's just one more board. One more board. Cut it, trim it, glue it, whatever you got to do. One more board. Just one more brush stroke. It's just one more. And, and as we learn to focus on that one more. We are doing what Jesus did. He taught. He lived his life, and it was a lesson to everyone that was around him. But in a moment ago, I also said that Jesus also preached. In fact, Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 9, those two bookend verses that I read just a moment ago are bookends of probably what is the most powerful and impactful record of Jesus' teaching that we have. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus taught there... <laughs> That was countercultural even to the audience at that time, okay? I guarantee you it's countercultural to this one today. Some of y'all remember the manifesto, right? It was four and a half years. Remember that? That's a joke. It wasn't four and a half. It was long, right? We went all the way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is countercultural to our world today. And in Jesus' preaching, we begin to see just how incredible the kingdom of God actually is. And in the act of preaching today, the opportunity to engage in this incredible and different way of living is practiced and it is reinforced just as it was in Jesus' day. And countless people respond. Countless people responded to Jesus' preaching and people are still responding to the word being preached today. And most often it's in a setting very much like this. 
And in a setting like this, this countercultural message of Jesus is being preached, calling people to follow him with a wild abandon, and it's declared, and it's demonstrated, and people are making a decision to make Jesus Lord of their life because of preaching. Did you know that today, in a, in a church built out of metal sheeting and cardboard, in the slums of an Asian village, there is a pastor who is passionately preaching about a Savior that came and died for the sins of those who are captives to his voice right now. In a church that stood for hundreds of years in the hills of some European city, a message is being preached that's calling people to a place of full heart surrender. And the altars are filling up at this moment with people who are realizing for the first time that they have tried too long to do this on their own. Under a tree in an African town as the sun beats down and the cow bellows in the distance, a preacher is passionately preaching about how Jesus healed a man that was possessed by demons. And as she preaches, her voice is falling on the ears of the local witch doctor who is hearing for the first time that Jesus brings freedom, not slavery. Preaching just as Jesus did, is one of the amazing delivery tools that we have for us today. And then there's healing. And this one is a challenge to us. We wonder what this looks like in our context. As we've been a little bit bruised, perhaps, by some of the things that we have seen and we have heard, and, and really, truly, they've only served to undermine what Jesus is saying in the text today. We certainly believe in God's power to heal. Probably the most often heard prayer in the church today is the prayer for healing. And this is good, it's right. Jesus has told us to ask for this kind of healing, but we, we have to wonder, is there more? And I do believe that there is more. I believe there is more to the healing ministry of the church because it is so often the ministries of compassion and healing that minister most immediately and most effectively to the needs of people in our communities. Through these acts, we bring healing in ways that sometimes we don't even fully understand. If you've ever been on the receiving end of this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that kind of healing is powerful and it's life-changing for many. Jesus', Jesus delivery system was teaching and preaching and healing, and he has said to us, I am sending you. So the role of the church is to carry on the work of Jesus. That means us. That means me. That means you. There's a story about four people. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. I share that 
100% true story with you. Because some of you, perhaps many of you, you're hearing what I'm saying and you are thinking in your head, well, I'm not a teacher. I am not a preacher. And I'm not a healer. But the truth is that each one of us are those things. If you say, I'm not a teacher, okay, well, are you a parent? Are you a friend? Do you work with anybody? Then you're a teacher. Not a preacher? Okay. You may be afraid of public speaking. I 100% get that. But are you calling attention to the kingdom of heaven breaking into your own life every day and changing the way you live? Not a healer? Okay. But are you exempt from doing the kind of healing work that we talked about just a moment ago of caring and being compassionate, loving those who feel unloved and unwanted? Because that is healing. Bottom line is this, we have a role to play. And for some, like Jeff and Susan that we looked at a little minute, a minute ago, it's literally answering a call to pack up your family and move halfway around the world to a culture and an environment that is unlike anything you've ever experienced. I know what that's like. I moved to Ohio. <laughs> yes. This is just tea, by the way. The best part of this, guys, is that we, we get to partner because of things like faith promise with people like Jeff and Susan. We get to support them in the calling that they have responded to. And, and for some, honestly, for everybody, the call is to live like Christ no matter where you are. around the people that you call friends and family so that one by one, one more person could have the opportunity to give their life to Jesus and to experience what you have experienced. So this morning, I'm going to give you two challenges, okay? Very practical. On your chair, when you came in this morning, there were two cards. I want you to take those cards out. If there wasn't one on your card, take your neighbors away and stick your tongue out at them and say, you should have been here earlier. Two cards, they look like this. The first one says Easter Sunday on the front. And I want you to just take this card for just a moment right now where you are, and I want you to just think for just a moment. Okay, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a ch one of your children, perhaps it's a co-worker, but I want you to think of that one person that, that comes to your mind that has not given their life to Jesus. That's the caveat, they have not given their life to Jesus. But what they have experienced is a little bit of you. 
hopefully good you. If not, you have some work to do between now and Easter. Hopefully they have experienced from you a little bit of teaching, preaching, and healing you maybe didn't even realize you were doing. I want you to think of the one more person that maybe in the past you've asked them to come to church or you've been trying to work up the nerve to ask them to come to church. Think about that one more person for just a moment. Who is it? Who is that person? Who is your one more Every single one of us must have a one more. If we don't have a one more, we are not living on mission for Jesus. You must have a one more. Who is it? Here's what I want you to do. On Easter Sunday, here at MP Naz, hear me this morning. Your one more will have the opportunity to hear the gospel crystal clear. So what does that mean for you? That means between now and then, you pull out every stop to get them here. Anything that, I, listen, I will, I will take you to Starbucks before we come. I will take you to, you can come to my house. I will buy your, your tie. They don't got to wear one. Whatever it takes. Who's your one more? What are you going to do to get them here for Easter Sunday? I want to tell you something cool we're going to start doing now in 2022, taking us into 2023, and as, as long as I'm here at least, every uh, several, several Sundays throughout the year, more than several, we will have multiple one more Sundays, okay? And on a one more Sunday, we're always going to give you a heads up. We're always going to give you a card to invite your one more. But on those one more Sundays, and our first one is Easter Sunday, we will present the gospel with extreme clarity, and we will invite them to make Jesus Lord of their life. Amen. Amen? We are partnering with you because sometimes that final step is the hardest step. You get to teach and you get to preach and you get to heal and I will, I will hold them to the fire in Jesus' name. What I mean is, man, I will, I will tell them what Jesus has done for them and I will give them a very clear opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done for them. And I'll play some music. There'll be some theme music. <laughs> I don't even know who it was, so don't feel bad. It's okay. I was looking wrong. When my sister was getting married, my father was doing the wedding. He had his cell phone in his pocket. And right at the most opportune moment, his phone started ringing. And his ringtone was the chicken dance. <laughs> Who's your one more? <laughs> Who's your one more, guys? Who is it? I'm dead serious, guys. Follow through on this. Next week, we're going to have the same cards on the seats when you come in here. If you've got two more, take somebody else's card. You got three more, come and ask me. We'll give you more. Who's your one more? Take this card, invite them to Easter services right here. They're going to hear about Jesus one person at a time. And here's the second challenge for you today. As we have been very clear, this is our, our Faith Promise Sunday, and I, um, I wish that, you know what I wish, guys? I just wish that, <clears throat> I just wish that everybody in the church tithed, then we wouldn't do any of this. 
because we'd have so much money to work with and we would be able to pay for missions and we'd be able to send missionaries out of our church and we'd be able to buy cars for people because they can't, we'd be able to do so much, but we can't. So we do this. We need to raise this money. We need to be partnering with missions. And there's value in this too because this represents for us more than just our tithes. This is an offering that we make out of a sacrificial spirit. This is an above and beyond commitment that we make individually and collectively. I told you that the work of the Church of the Nazarene is happening all over the globe and we get an opportunity to be a part of that. And so each year we ask you to financially support this work. And so the second card that you're going to find on the seat is, is how we're going to do make that commitment together this morning. I'm going to ask our ladies to come up here. Um, those of you who've been going to this church for a while, you've been a part of Faith Promise, you know what this is about, you know how this works, you've probably already thought through what your financial commitment is going to be for the coming year. But some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard about it. Maybe, maybe you haven't really had a chance to talk about it with your spouse, and I, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to talk about it at home. One thing I have learned is that if you will both take this to prayer um, and and you will just ask God, God, what do you want us to do? Man, a lot of times he'll give you guys both the same figure in your head. This is what we want to commit to. But some of you may know about, know what you want to do, and that's that's great. So so here's what I know about Faith Promise. Because this whole uh, entire thing is about giving above and beyond what we should be doing in in our tithes, this is a sacrificial decision. I realize that. And, and sacri- sacrificial decisions are, import, are, are difficult because they require unity and they require prayer. Husbands and wives, don't make a sacrificial decision on your own for your family today. Okay? Unless you're together with your spouse and you know, you know hey, babe, I gave $25,000. What? Pray about it together. It's a sacrificial decision. requires prayer and unity. Uh, and you may be able to, in the moments that are going to come up here in a moment, have a chance to do that right here where you are, and that's great. But I, I really want to encourage unity in this. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a lot of people, guys. If 100 families in this church would just commit to $50 a month, we could raise $60,000 like that. And I know that people are like, oh, I can't afford $50 a month. I would almost guarantee you that the vast majority of people in this room today throw away $50 a month. That's all it takes, though. Now, for some of you, though, that may be a stretch. Some of you live by a budget and keep all of your money in white envelopes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's okay. So for some of you, this may be a stretch, but also for some of you also, you know in your heart that you can and you should do more. So either way, the challenge for you today is to make a promise based in faith, to commit to and to support what God is doing around the world today, because people before you were willing to make that same promise in faith. Amen? The praise team's going to come up, and they're going to begin to sing. We're going to have a little bit of transition here, and we're going to give you time as we're singing together to fill out your faith promise cards. Um, If you look on the card here, you'll see one side says, keep this side for your records, all right? So keep this side for your records, (laughs) and uh, bring the other side up here and drop in the basket, and our ladies are going to begin to 
tabulate our total, and we're going to be putting it on this television so we can see our goal this year is $45,000 in annual pledges. I, I am thrilled to let you know that we are less than $1,000 from meeting our pledged goal for last year. Um, the, the fiscal year of the church, a lot of information today, guys. The fiscal year of the church is actually May 1st through April, the end of April, April 30th. So we are coming up on the end of our fiscal year. Um, and so uh, now is the time when we need to finish our faith promise goal. So we're very close to finishing it and, and meeting the mark that we had pledges given for. But some of you, if you haven't given your faith promise for last year, maybe that's the first thing you need to respond to today. But take these cards, fill them out today, put your information on there. Some of you just want to give one-time gifts. Some of you want to split them up. Over My wife and I, we split our faith promise up. Every time we tithe, we put some faith promise in there, and so it's split across the whole 12 months. And it makes it a lot easier um, just to budget it out and do it that way. So however God's speaking to you today, you'll see the tally up here. We're going to sing together, fill out your cards, maybe take some time and pray about your one more. But today is a day when I am very clearly, hopefully, calling you guys and challenging you guys with some specific things that I, I need you to respond to. I'm asking you to respond to as we step into mission with God. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Father God, we, we recognize today that we have a responsibility. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And uh, God, sometimes it's a little daunting to us. Sometimes we we get a little nervous about the things that, that you expect us to do and you ask us to do. But God, uh, one of the amazing things that we see, if we read just a little bit further in John's gospel, is that what you have sent us to do, you've also empowered us to do through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You have given us uh, a helper. And so God, we're not out here doing these things on our own. We're not, we're not teaching and preaching and healing on our own. We're doing these things through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So God, I pray that today as we, as we kind of wrestle with and digest some of these things that can be kind of heavy sometimes, God, that we would really begin to consider our own lives. What are we doing? What are we not doing? How are we responding to the sending that you have given us or have we gone fishing? God, I pray that, that we, would, we would heed the call, that we would choose to be obedient to it, both through the resources that we've given that you've given us as we think about things like faith promise but also through the witness that you've given us the testimony that we have as we speak into the lives of our one more god we love you guide these moments right now father I pray we respond in obedience to you we pray these things in jesus name all right let's take some time fill out your cards pray about your one mores as you're done you can stand and sing with us and we'll we will celebrate uh, the victory of hopefully meeting our mark of $45,000 today.